This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And coming to you from my house for the first time in about a week. We were in Clearwater, of course, last week. We did not do a Bulls Beat on Memorial Day, so we'll give you a few highlights here towards the end of this airing of Bulls Beat. We got other news to tell you about, including some with the baseball coaching staff. We got one sport still going, that is track and field. We'll tell you who advanced to next week's national meet in Austin, Texas. The women's soccer schedule has been released a few weeks back. The men's soccer team did the same, so we'll give it to you. And it's uh, pretty interesting, and it does officially have the first continued War on I-4 in the regular season. Women's soccer will be the next, as a matter of fact, live play-by-play event as we take the summer off from that. Last Saturday night was our final sign-off. It was kind of sad when Jim Locke actually said, we're going home, but it really does allow me to get some other things done over the course of the summer. You're going to hear, in fact, now we're at the end of May and through June, you're going to hear during the daylight hours, basically, some of the best games from last year. Yesterday, we got that started with some soccer, with some volleyball. Today, we're going to do some basketball. Then every night, we'll try and plan it so it's around 7. If it doesn't time out perfectly, it'll be 7.30 or 8, a football classic. So that'll be the schedule for the month of June. Best of 2022-23 action during the day, along with Bulls beat, of course, three times a week now during the summer, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We'll also toss in around the American, which... We'll start to shift as far as the teams go, of course, as we get into the middle of summer. We're still going to wrap up anything that anyone from UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston does in this year. But yeah, we'll get towards looking at the new schools and how the conference shakes out. So that'll be the situation for the summer. Instead of daily, Bulls beat will be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, along with some conference news. And then we'll do best of games from the last year during the day and classic football at night. Weekends, we will reserve four classics exclusively. And any of the games that we play during the week, you'll also get another chance to hear during the weekend. And then we'll sprinkle in some other stuff for you. That is the schedule. As far as this show goes, we mentioned there is one team still going. That is not the whole team, just a handful, including the one that you figured from track and field. That is the indoor national champion. Yes, indeed, Romaine Beckford of the Bulls has qualified for the Outdoor National Championships. And you never want to take anything for granted, obviously, but this was kind of just a perfunctory meet for Romaine Beckford. That shows you how good he is. His height cleared was 2.14 meters, which is basically, not basically, it is 7 feet and a quarter inch. To advance to the finals, the NCAA finals meet in Austin, Texas, you must finish in the top 12. This was at the University of North Florida, UNF, in Jacksonville last week where the top 12 knew they'd be moving on along with the top 12 from the West preliminary meet in Sacramento. So there was absolutely no need to, once you hit the height that fewer than 12 hit, to try the next height, and 2.14 meters did the trick. For Romaine Beckford, everyone that got that height didn't even attempt the next height, being 2.17 meters, which a few did clear in the West prelims, including a freshman to look out for from Southern Cal, Elias Gerald. So... We'll talk to Romaine, I'm sure, before he heads out to Austin. Pretty cool video they put out of his clearance. He had the crowd clapping, and the rhythmic applause gets faster as he got closer to the bar, which he cleared easily, by the way. 
Also, really cool video of the 4x100 relay for the men advancing to Austin. First of all, there were only two non-power conference schools that had all their relay teams basically make it to the preliminary meet. The Bulls sent all four of them, and one is still going. How about that? The 4x100 men's relay made up of Denelson Mahatier. He's a senior from Dominica. Had a pleasure of speaking to him in the past, and little side note, he didn't just stick around track and field. I've seen him interning at several events. He is a transfer from Western Kentucky. Number two member of the team, someone else we've had the chance to interview recently, Shavoy Reed, junior college transfer originally from Jamaica. Jaleel Kroll, who was a freshman from the Virgin Islands. And last but certainly not least, originally from Norfolk, transfer from Indiana Tech, Zaquan Lincoln. Those are your four. Now, you don't have one big final race in the 4x100 when you are having 12 teams advance. So the way they do it is the 24 relay teams that make it compete, obviously, in three different quarterfinal heats. The top three from each heat, along with the next three best times, get to see their seasons continue and eventually conclude at the national meet. The Bulls were in the second heat, and by their seed, by their previous time, were actually the slowest in that heat. Well, they finished fourth pretty good stuff and they finished ahead of Alabama Florida won their heat they had the second best national time then it was Alabama State and Campbell incidentally it was a gap of seven tenths of a second from first to second yeah the Gators are pretty good in that situation so the Bulls ran at 39.84 Alabama was behind them at 39.98 and New Orleans was 39.99 the good news is the Bulls knew that they were better than any of the non-top three finishers from the first heat so basically They just needed to watch the final heat and make sure they were ahead of whoever finished in sixth place, and that was pretty comfortable. Again, the Bulls' time was 39.84, which actually would have had them fourth in heat three. So they had the best time of any of the non-top three finishers, and that was certainly good enough to advance to Austin, Texas. All the big men's events, sprints, and relays were conducted on Friday, and the men's 4x4 relay team also, Shavoy Reed was on that, along with Dante O'Banion, Michael Bourne III, and Monte Parker. They ran a top 10 school time of 3 minutes, 11.55 seconds. They were in the second heat and knew that they were going to be eliminated after that because they were 6th in their heat. By their time, wasn't going to be top 12. They ended up 18th out of the 24 in Jacksonville. The women took the track and the field on Saturday. The best chance to advance was Sneak Walker. She had actually a top 10 qualifying time in her 400 hurdles event, but she finished in 14th place. Actually, the 12th spot went down to, they had to go to 1,000th of a second for Araya McBride of Vanderbilt, 57.664, to beat out Kyla Robinson Hubbard from Tennessee, 57.669, and then Sneak Walker, the Bulls, was at 57. Point eight. Find out officially, I'm almost positive she must have been injured because Naya Robinson was top 10 in the country in the long jump, and she actually finished in last place and did not attempt her second and third jump. So clearly she was injured, but we'll find out exactly what that was. As far as the relays, again, making it to the preliminary meet, a very big time honor. Unfortunately, the four by one team of Janiah Burton, Jadeja Baxter, Taryn Peterson, and Shania Benjamin finished 17th in the end. They were 6th in their heat, and so they got eliminated in the second heat. They ran in the first one. Anaya Ashley in the high jump actually finished 3rd all-time in school history and 17th 
at the prelim again, top 12 advanced. Full details up on GoUSFBulls.com. But the last official student-athlete competitors are going to be at the last track and field meet of the year, Romaine Beckford and the men's 4x100-meter relay team. The other sports still going on are softball, the College World Series set for this week. By the way, did you see how many teams that were on the softball schedule ended up making it to the Super Regional round? A ton of them. The only one still going is Tennessee, but Clemson was right there. And by the way, leading Oklahoma, I thought... As impressive as Clemson looked when they played the Bulls and went throughout the course of the regular season, it was kind of a raw deal that they got the number 16 seed, a.k.a. have to go to Norman, Oklahoma in the Super Regional round. And they actually led them going into the final inning of the second game. Other teams that the Bulls played this year that made it to the Super Regional level, Duke, which got eliminated out in Stanford. And by the way, Duke was challenged big time by this team called Charlotte, which will be coming into the American next year. And then two teams that the Bulls played faced off against each other at the Super Regional level, Tennessee eliminating Texas. So the Bulls played four of the teams that made it to the Super Regionals. In other words, four of the last 16. And a fifth will be on the Bulls' schedule next year, Charlotte actually advancing further than both UCF and Wichita, the actual American Athletic Conference teams from this season. All that action, by the way, from Oklahoma City starts on Thursday at noon, Alabama and Tennessee play each other. If you think it's a bunch of SEC teams, no, those are the only two, so that's kind of curious. Oklahoma plays Stanford after that. Florida State goes up against Oklahoma State and Utah against Washington. Let me tell you, it was really close to some of these teams that made it to the finals not even getting there, even though the Pac-12 has three of the eight, which is impressive. Washington on its first round was hosting and Got beat by McNeese State 1-0 and then was getting shut out 6-0 going into the last inning before rallying. I watched a lot of that softball action. That was an impressive schedule. You know who else has an impressive schedule? Women's soccer. And they released theirs. They went ahead and announced it. And I'm sure I'll catch up to Denise Shelty-Brown before too long. But there are definitely a few things that stick out about this schedule. First of all, the American, the new-look American, adding the six schools from Conference USA for most of the sports, the big ones of football and basketball notwithstanding, but for what they call the Olympic sports, which is basically everything not named football or basketball, almost every single one of them, not all of the new six schools play every single sport. Well, women's soccer is one where all six of them do field a team, and the Bulls will play them all. There will be 12 teams, of course, losing three, gaining six from a group of nine, gives you 12, and instead of playing a full conference schedule, everybody will miss out on two opponents, and the Bulls will actually not play the team that has become their biggest rival, not named UCF, and these are teams that have played for and or won the regular season and or conference championship for the last handful of years. The Bulls and the Memphis Tigers will not play. Tigers made it to the Sweet 16 for the first time in school history, so I found that very curious. Additionally, the Bulls will indeed play UCF. We told you already about the men's schedule release a few weeks back. In fact, it's been a while since they released that. What a schedule that is. But in that case, UCF is on it in the preseason, so not an official Warren I-4. So the first on the schedule, continuing past them being conference foes, Warren I-4 is the Bulls' women's soccer team going to Orlando on September the 10th. And I'll be making that drive if everything works out because... I'm going to have to make some road trips. That's the other thing that stands out about the schedule. Six of the first seven games are away from home, beginning with LSU. First two 
preseason games, and we'll broadcast it, I'm sure, August the 5th against Jacksonville. Then they go to DeLand to play Stetson like they did a few years back. Then the regular season, here goes the soccer puns, kicks off on August the 17th against LSU. They'll stay in that state to play the Louisiana Lafayette team that finished in the bottom 50 nationally. Then another team that was towards the bottom of the standings nationally will be the home opener for the Bulls. That's Alabama A&M. They haven't played them in more than a decade. So the home opener regular season is August the 24th. Then four straight on the road, including the first in conference play. They will go to Florida Gulf Coast. Then one of the best teams in the country. Usually they only play them in the postseason. They will go to Florida State. That is a tremendously difficult challenge, but you love the idea there. And they'll give themselves a week off before that UCF game on September the 10th. And then conference play begins in Philadelphia. That's the time to play at Temple early in the season in the middle of September if you can get that done. Then, of course, the slate becomes more home-friendly with three in a row, although there is a non-conference and an interesting game slid in there with Gonzaga in between Charlotte and East Carolina. They go to UAB, then home against North Texas and SMU. They make the Texas swing to Rice and UTSA, ironically, and there was absolutely no foreshadowing. It's just what they did a few years back. They actually did play those two teams on the road back-to-back and beat them both easily. They'll wrap up the regular season at home against FAU. So it'll be interesting with all the sports, obviously, but in women's soccer to see how the new schedules shake out as far as new teams versus returning teams, how they match them up. But in the case of women's soccer, at least for the Bulls, they will be not playing two of the regulars that they're used to playing. Those would be Memphis and Tulsa. Conference USA last year only had one team end up in the top 100 that was UAB. So for some sports, it's going to get stronger. For others, maybe not so much. Looking like baseball will be a sport that gets stronger, even with the departure of some solid programs. And yes, give you some season-ending highlights. The Bulls had a chance to advance to the championship game, but they were going to have to beat East Carolina first after knocking off the Pirates in an amazing game last Tuesday. On Saturday, two different sorts of games that the Bulls both lost. Not full highlights because it's been almost five days since we played the game, but we definitely wanted to relive some of the more thrilling moments. We'll also throw in a new member of the football team and basketball as well when Bulls beat continues.